Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Futsal Independent Podcast with me, Carl Wilkinson. Getting back into the swing of things after maybe two weeks off, I'm travelling the country doing other bits and pieces, but it's all things competition. So how have the clubs been doing in the National League? We've got information on the FIFA Futsal World Cup the Euro under 19 and also the FA Cup draw that took place last week. A big thank you before I make a start to Sam Good putting together the intro music. 16 year old up in the northwest helps him out of his coursework, helps me out with this. As always appreciate any help, any feedback on the podcast, anything you can do to help. But I want to get straight into it. So the Women's National League took place this weekend for the North and South Divisions. The South Division held at Leighton Score Centre. Enfield Ladies 4, Fusion 19, London United 2, London Helvetia 8. And the Women's North held at the Northgate Arena Leisure Centre. Liverbirds 9, Wigan UKFA 1, Manchester 2. Fylde Coast 4 and Cheshire 8, Tranmere Rovers 4. So I managed to get along to the Northgate Arena on Saturday, took a few images, hopefully some of you have seen those from the women's games. So from the Manchester game, from the Cheshire games, uh, really impressed with the standard on show. Seen Manchester for a couple of seasons now, um, but not really seen quite a few of the players, so didn't get to see what was Morecambe last year so first time to see filed first time to see Cheshire uh, live and, and in the flesh so to speak uh, and there are some really really good players on the show so when we look at the kind of the future of the women's game as we start to introduce the the women's national team for the 2021 um, Euro competition I think it is the FA have put that marker out there it's part of the strategy that they are looking to have the team represent in 2021. Uh, so some cracking players on show from um, a kind of futsal aspect uh, and some of the players on show, um, you can see the footballers as opposed to futsal players, um, but still really, really good players. Um, so looking forward to seeing more of the Women's National League and then really quite excited to see where that leads in terms of the England path or the England pathway. In terms of the men's league, almost a full turnout in the Super League. Loughborough Cambridge was the early game kicking off on Saturday. Loughborough 7, Cambridge 0. And then on Sunday, Manchester 1, Sussex 8, Newcastle 5, Southend 3, FC Salisbury United 5, Birmingham 4, London Helvetia 6, Oxford 3. So the league's starting to take shape now. Um, kind of four or five games in, something like that. And we can see, um, certainly from a Cambridge point of view, that they're struggling. Um, lost players last season in Vitali and Monty. Looks like they've not been replaced. And when you've got Monty that was sticking the ball in the back of the net for fun, uh, if you lose a character like that in your team, then it's always going to be a struggle for you. Uh, Sussex continue to be the surprise package in air quotes because they've got a cracking team and everybody knows they've got a cracking team um, so it's no surprise. Uh, the Manchester performance 
very similar to the Helvetia game um, a few weeks ago earlier in the season. Played well for a good 18-19 minutes, they were 1-0 down at that point. And then with literally a minute to play in the first half, conceded a second. As they chased the game in the second half, um, Sussex picked them off. Um, they go to fly goalkeeper and then they concede more goals. Um, so almost a carbon copy of that Helvetia game. But from a Manchester perspective, four games in, six points and they've played the top two teams. So, not all doom and gloom, I don't think. Um, I did invite uh, people on Twitter to come in and, or to kind of send in recordings, just two minute clips of their clubs, how they see either the latest games, how they see the fixtures, how the performances have been so far. So I'll keep that going throughout the season. If you want to send in a two minute clip of your club, whether it is such a buddy's doing really well, one to look out for, um, or, or just uh, an update on the latest game if you're a coach or involved in coaching if you want to give some kind of analysis on how you expected the games to play out and how they've not played out or they have played out in that manner then I'm all ears for that as well in the Division 1 North Uni of Nottingham 9 Liverpool 5 Sheffield 5 Kettering 1 Cheshire 4 Loughborough Development 1 Division 1 South London International 12, Kickers 5, Division 2 North, Tranmere Rovers Development 2, Sunderland 16, Wigan UKFA 12, Liverpool Development 4, Manchester Development 13 and Stoke City Futsal 1. Division 2 Midlands, Reading Royals 5, Bedford 7, Worcester 6, Northampton Ollie Cats 0, Kettering Development 6, FC Salisbury United Development 6 and Division 2 South Chelsea Foundation 17 Haringey 6-3 and the final game Braintree 7 Basingstoke 18 So last week or last month now the 26th of October seen Lithuania announced as host for the 2020 FIFA Futsal World Cup Decision was made by the FIFA Council at its meeting with Iran, Japan and New Zealand, also being under consideration. So Lithuania, um, a country which um, is, has little in terms of, I would say, real futsal, with even uh, members of clubs from within Lithuania, stating that most of their players are footballers, which then play futsal as part of the winter. In the, in the top clubs they bring in the Brazilians and use the best local talent but then what they are seeing is there's an excitement especially with Vitis who are the leading club they're the only professional club in Lithuania have, have made it into the elite round of the Champions League the first Lithuanian team to do that um, so there's an excitement uh, and again the, the same kind of thing there's a, there's a good piece with futsalcorner.com where one of their guys, I think it was Valerio Scalabrelli, spoke to I think one of the staff members at Vitis, uh, might be the press officer from memory, and he speaks about how there's an excitement for futsal, and that is the excitement, that is the exciting thing in Lithuanian football. But their ranking of 84 um, probably kind of tells its own story in that sense, um, and, and maybe has some parallels with 
English futsal from kind of years gone by. So a total of 24 teams in the World Cup. Lithuania, obviously one of those. 23 more countries will join them. So a total of 24 teams qualify for the World Cup, Lithuania being one of those, obviously. So 23 other countries from six continental regions. UEFA will have seven entrants in total. So there'll be six places up for grabs from the qualifying um, process. So the road to Lithuania looks like this. The preliminary and main round draw takes place on the 12th of December. So that's the key date to look out for. England will be in that draw. So that's the 12th of December. We'll find out who England will play. And that round will be played on the 29th of January to the 3rd of February. The main round will take place on the 22nd to the 27th of October 2019. The elite round draw then, 7th of November. The elite round played the 28th of January to the 2nd of February in 2020. With the playoff draw to be confirmed and then the playoffs in April 2020 with the main event scheduled for the 12th of September to the 4th of October in 2020. So that does mean there is no futsal Euro in 2020, which has been the case that will now go to a, a four year cycle. But as of 2022, that has been expanded from 12 teams to 16 teams. So not as often, but a bigger Euro competition. Which is obviously good news for us because it means we've more chance of breaking into the top 16 as it were, rather than the 12. In other international competition news, the qualifying draw has been made for the UEFA Under-19 Futsal Euro. So that one will take place in Latvia in September 2019. 34 teams aiming for 7 slots, joining the hosts Latvia at the finals in Riga. So that prelim draw consists of two groups of which the winners will progress to the main round and where they will join England amongst others. So that main round is scheduled to take place from the 26th of March to the 31st of March and England find themselves in group 7 with Italy, group hosts Croatia and Slovakia. So whilst only one progress from the group and go on to the to the final rounds um, and Italy and Croatia being obviously um, big hitters in terms of the futsal scene so that'll be some challenge for the under 19s but at the same time we've got a good group of under 19 players and we see at the younger ages if we can call 19s younger ages we seem to do well um, everywhere in terms of younger ages I think it's when they get to that kind of 1921 where players really really kick on and push on and become good players world-class players that's the bit we're missing at the moment but the group of under 19s we've got i'm sure they'll be more than up for the challenge so those seven group winners from march next year and latvia will then be split into two groups of four that'll be held in september 2019 before the top two from each of those groups will progress to the semi-finals and then the final. So as I mentioned previous, when you add that to the 2021 uh, UEFA Women's Futsal Championships, 
the future of the national game for England um, is looking really quite good over the next kind of two or three years. The senior side going through the prelim draw early next year, then the under-19s. If we're looking at the, if we take the strategy, again, keep referring back to this document that the FA have published. If we take that, by 2024, we're looking for a top 20 FIFA world ranking for England men's. Ambitious target, as we've said. But the under-19s and the 23s to, a, to an extent, but they play a, a key part of, of that role. So by the time these, you know, in, in kind of six years' time, these 18, 19-year-olds, they're going to be kind of just underneath, just below their peak. So with the 23s pushing ahead, they'll be filling some of the slots in. So I think a key age group, the 19s, um, without putting too much pressure on them, of course. And even more competition news, if that wasn't enough. The FA Futsal Cup was drawn last week. So we've got the prelim rounds um, that have been drawn. They take place over the 2nd or the 23rd of December for the teams that have been drawn in that round. Series of teams with buys from the prelims and straight into the, the main round, so into round one. Um, so the current format, and there's been a little bit of confusion about this um, on Twitter and um, not openly on Twitter, I don't think, in fairness, but kind of private messaging away and people saying things and miss understanding things. The current format has seen a set of regional qualifiers. So there have been Northwest, East Midlands, West Midlands, Southern and all the rest of it. Regional qualifiers. So they were a central venue. Uh, a few games on the day. The winner is obviously the winner of that regional event. Once we have that, or once we have them regional winners, they are fed into the prelim and to round one draws as it's been made. We have round one, we then have round two and round three. All of those contain the National League Division One and Division Two teams, as well as the regional winners. Across them three rounds, which are home or away legs, depending how they're drawn, that will whittle the teams down to four. Those four teams will then go into round four and join the 12 Super League teams to make up the final 16. So that round four is the last 16. The eight winners from the ties, they will go to St. George's Park. Bank holiday weekend in May next year. St. George's Park will be a four-day event. So that will have the, the youth games. So there will be schools, cup final. There will be the youth futsal cup final. The women's league final will be played. And then obviously, of course, we've got the quarterfinal, the semi-final and the final of the FA men's futsal cup that weekend i haven't seen it mentioned i assume the women's fa futsal cup is obviously going to be that weekend as well so the women's applications are now open their dates were released last week by tina reed so for those involved or playing or coaching the regional dates for the women's the northwest qualifier is the 5th of january at Highton leisure center the west midlands is the 5th of January at Wolverhampton University. The East Midlands is the 5th of January at the David Ross Sports Village, Union of Nottingham. North East and Yorkshire is the 12th of January at the Beacon of Light. South West is the 12th of January at Paynton Academy. South East is the 19th of January at the Uni of Chichester. And the Central London is the 26th of January at Leighton Score Centre. 
So the seven regional events for the women take place up and down the country. Obviously there'll be more information drawn as it as it progresses and as we have the winners. Because I'm a geek, I've bracketed out the men's futsal cup. Um, so I'm not going to post it for the time being. I'm going to let the preliminary games play out. We'll see who the winners are. The full draw has been made up to the end of kind of round three. But as of yet, the FA have only released the preliminary fixtures. There are no fixtures for kind of round one onwards um, released. Although they have been made and, and some people that will have seen the information have got them. So the bracket actually makes things look a lot more simple when you see it. Because you can see who plays who. At what stage it filters down into four teams. It then opens back up into 16 teams as the Super League clubs enter at round four. So looking forward to that one. Should be a good event this year. Uh, the four days at St George's Park. I'm sure to be, I think I'm right in saying, a landmark event. Um, I don't think they've had anything that big um, on that scale. So it'll be good to see if we can get some kind of um, some kind of networking event for people that are involved in the game around about the same time while we're all at St George's Park for that weekend. And, and, if that wasn't enough, there's some more. So, UEFA Champions League, or UEFA Futsal Champions League, gets underway next Wednesday. Starting with groups A and D on Wednesday, followed by groups B and C on Thursday. Some unsociable si uh, kickoff times for some of the games, kind of one o'clock in the afternoon and things like that, but such is life. There are enough games taking place in the evenings. So around about our tea time, dinner time, if you're down south, right through to kind of seven o'clock, um, normal kickoff times, uh, as we will probably say. So the elite round of this Champions League features names and teams that most of us are familiar with, um, but also quite a few that we're not familiar with, certainly some I'm not familiar with. So that's great because it's an opportunity to see some more teams, so to see some new elite sides in action. So four groups of four, Group A, Hosted in Lithuania, to the home of FK Vitas, which was probably a nod um, towards them hosting the 2020 World Cup, in all fairness. And in their group, they've got holders, Movie Star Inter, who most of us should know now. Certainly if you're part of the Futsal family, if you see any of that on Twitter, well aware of um, Movie Star Inter, Ricardinho, won it for the last two, uh, last two years. Huge in terms of Spain. Um, a little bit off the pace. This year in Spain so far, I mean they've played a couple of games less, um, but it's a good league out in Spain this year in terms of uh, competition. Group B is in Barcelona, and matched with them are the the former champions uh, Ugra of Russia. So you'll see them um, sponsored by the familiar name of Gazprom. So we see that all over the Champions League in football terms. Um, sponsor the the Russian futsal team as well. Group C is a, a Portuguese affair, so held over in Portugal, hosted by Sporting. They're matched with Benfica, so that's going to be uh, one hell of a game on the Sunday, because only one team can progress. Group D, uh, hosted by E.P. Shudim in the Czech Republic, uh, and they've got Giants Kira Almaty, um, and they've got Italian side um, Aqua Sapona as well with Gabriel Lima. 
So Group D a good one. Um, group C definitely the, the old Portuguese affair. Obviously there's more teams in the group. There's four teams in each group. Some of which I really don't know much about. But the winners from each group will go through to the knockout finals. That's to be played in April. And where that is to be held, we don't know just yet. Because one of the four finalists will be chosen as the host. So looking on paper, um, as a, a pure guess, I would say of the four groups, probably Inter, Barca, Sporting and Kirat. Uh, probably all to go through uh, without knowing the ins and outs of each team and kind of form and stuff like that. Which means there's two chances of the games being held in Spain. One chance of it being held in Portugal and one in Kazakhstan. And based on the last few the last few years or the last few competitions, Saragossa last year, Almaty the year before in Kazakhstan, Guadalajara year before that in Spain again, Lisbon in 14-15, and it was Baku in Azerbaijan 13-14. So across the the last kind of four years, it's been held in the three countries that I think could make the four finalists. So where it goes, it is absolutely anybody's shout. But for this week's episode, or for this episode of social media, just want to take one short story, um, and it's only a really short story, sent to me by DM, so not out in the the public. Um, So I'm going to keep the club, I'm going to keep the region, I'm going to keep the people anonymous, so we don't know where it is um, around the country. But the gist of it is that a junior football league have outsourced their futsal to a local grassroots football coach. Um, has a, a self-titled academy, if that tells you anything, um, who also charges for his futsal school. So when this league have been approached about um, kind of passing information around for events and things like that, uh, they've replied and said, look, you know, you need to go through this guy because he's the one looking after our futsal for the league. Which I think would be okay in principle, that's, that's fine. But this has led to an event being put on and then ultimately being underrepresented or underattended because this information that was given to the league and, and consequently given to this chap hasn't made its way to coaches and to pe- the kind of people it should have made its way to. Um, so whether that's an honest mistake, not passing the information out, whether it's intentional, withholding the information, because if everybody else becomes more experienced with futsal, then they might not come to him or not suggesting that is the case, whatever the case may be. It's not a good advert for the game of futsal in that area. But my question on the back of that is, should individuals be given that kind of power? Or more appropriately, should local leagues be outsourcing to independent um, organisations or or companies as such that are run, that want to make money above trying to help um, other people do the same as what they're doing in effect their competition? Should that be the case? Some leagues will push uh, futsal more than others, and I understand that, that's fine, of course. But withholding this information has actually, and I don't want to sound dramatic when I say this, but withholding the information has damaged futsal in that particular region, in a sense that we could have had more coaches, we could have had more people see the game, receive the information, and they've not done, purely because the information wasn't passed on. But it also impacts on the National League Club that have organised this event, now, whether they're seen as competition or not, I don't know. Um, but it's the kind of thing we see, and, and when we talk about KPIs and, and all the kind of 
anything that the, the county FAs want to measure or they want to push, and, and I think things have got to be done in the right way. If information is going to be given from county FAs, if it's going to be given to leagues or from grassroots leagues, then I think to give it to one person who is ultimately capable of holding that information for themselves or for self-gain then doesn't sit right with me. I don't like the idea of that. Certainly frustrated this person enough to come to me with the, the problem in the first place just to discuss it, just have a chat about it. Um, and then I said I'd I'd throw it out there as a kind of anonymous question and just see what people think. So local leagues outsourcing their futsal to an academy, in air quotes, private company in essence. Should that be the case or should the, the league be either walking away from futsal completely saying we're going to focus on football or should they be, be working closer with the individual? Some food for thought. So something a little bit different now. And in the last episode, I spoke about Sussex and Bolton. Travelling abroad, travelling over to Spain, taking the first team, taking the, the youth teams over there to take in the experience, to further relationships, things like that. I asked Mick Parrish of Bolton Futsal to just give us a kind of a few words just to to highlight why Bolton continues to go out to Barcelona every year, what it is they're trying to achieve by doing that, um, and just the, the overall kind of feel and, and how it's working for them. And this is what he had to say. Okay, well today we've uh, embarked on another tour to Barcelona. Another a chance to um, get the kids to experience what real futsal is and the parents. It's a big, uh, it's a big learning curve for our kids and our, equally our, our parents as well because they, well most people have a preconceived idea of what futsal is and it's not, it's not uh, the tricks and flicks that they see on the highlight reel on YouTube, it's much more than that. So tonight we're off to see um, Santa Coloma and uh, I think the parents will be in for a, a bit of a, a shock really to see what the game is all about and that to be honest is what these tours are about, it's education and the players come away with a much better understanding of the, of, of the game than, uh, than they came here with so that's the whole reason we do these. I think the, the appeal of Barcelona is, I mean, it's an easy sell because you tell people about Barcelona football that are typically come from a football background. So when you mention Barcelona and the stadium and you know they've got a chance to watch a uh, football match, that kind of it's kind of sells them the the tour. I guess we're putting the foot sale by stealth, really. But um, what happens there is then you get the chance to introduce them to proper futsal and so far on all the trips that we've done, I've never had a parent say to me that they preferred football over futsal. They always come away from the futsal and say, wow, that's amazing. Ideally for us, um, the Barcelona futsal experience is probably the thing that's of greatest appeal because they have an ultras section, they have a decent support, well, a large support, and it's very vocal and the atmosphere is brilliant. 
and I think what we see from the kids that come to the to, to Barcelona, what they take back to our club is on a match day they try to replicate a bit of that ultras experience. I think, and um, that really shows when you watch our matches. We we generate a little bit of um, atmosphere, probably well, a lot of atmosphere really for the number of people that come to watch the game. And I don't think there's much of that in the National League really. I mean, I could be wrong, but I have not seen it in all the footage that I've seen. I haven't seen an atmosphere like what we're achieving. So uh, partly that's the reason, but also because we have a massive buy-in with, uh, with, with our, our kids and our parents of the club. And I don't know, the relationship that we, we uh, form on these trips is uh, long lasting. We, uh, yeah, we do, we do have a, a great um, relationship with the with the club. Probably not as far as um, matches, for instance, like uh, team-wise, but the futsal administration and organisation of, of Barcelona Futsal, we have a very good relationship with, and um, they facilitate a lot of the um, interaction of our players with their first team players and even like this weekend when Barcelona Futsal are away uh, we're, we're actually going to watch the B team play but also again like we do always with the, with the first team we're on court with the, with the kids are all on court with the, with the B team for photos. To be fair uh, we're doing the same thing at Santa Coloma, we're on the court before them. We've uh, actually secured interviews with their players after the match, which is probably, I, I guess that's a first for English, uh, for English clubs and English futsal having uh, LNFS access, or access to LNF, LNFS players after matches. So we've got a good relationship in Barcelona with, with both the, the pro clubs. So yeah, we're, we're happy. And to be fair, we're not the only club that are doing they're doing so. There's a few other clubs in the in our national league that are that are trying to form relationships and partnerships, or you know, with with, with LNFS clubs. And really, it's something that the whole the whole of the English football community can learn from because when you get out here and you experience it, and that they really want to help you, they they want to grow the game. So whatever whatever chance they get to. Uh, to make the game better and, and a, a larger appeal, they will and they'll, they'll gladly help you. And I encourage all clubs, whether you've got a national league or just a, a junior club or just anyone that's interested in futsal, the slightest interest in futsal, to, to come out here and you know try and organise matches, get yourself in amongst the futsal atmosphere because the, the people are so inclusive, they want you to be, they want to be involved, they want to help, because the futsal is a game that probably doesn't get the notoriety or the, or the coverage worldwide. And, you know, for me, I think it's, it's, a, it's a bonus and it, it's something we have to do, really, in England, we have to be doing this sort of stuff, just, just to grow the game. And that's it for this week. So thanks once again for all the support on social media. If you've got anything to add, 
to the conversation, please do so, get involved. Share it, it's now available across multiple platforms. So it'll go live on Anchor FM, then it will find its way to iTunes, Google Playlists, or Google Podcasts, places like that, as well as being on the SoundCloud, because that's the easiest place for me to host it um, in the first instance. Yeah, and that's it from me.